Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning across Rural Queensland today. It is Friday morning the 13th, Friday the 13th of October. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Susan McDonald will join us this morning. We will also talk with the Elders General Manager for Queensland and the Northern Territory, Lisa Hewitt. On on Sunday, it is uh, Women in Agriculture Day, and I thought, why not talk with Lisa Hewitt? Susan McDonald's a regular on here, but to get Lisa Hewitt uh, to join us this morning, uh, she's had an amazing career in agriculture, and I'm looking forward to catching up with her. So much more to get through, and if you've missed any of this, you can always go to Spotify and get Rural Queensland today. But let's get into it. It's Friday. Senator Susan McDonald, ahead of tomorrow's referendum, she joins us next on Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. We start the show on a Friday talking with Senator Susan McDonald. She joins us this morning from Mareeba and uh, of all places, uh, a great part of North Queensland. Senator, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Ben, it's great to talk to you and I've had two fantastic weeks uh, driving around uh, the northern part of the state uh, checking in on people, talking about all the issues that are topical to them, uh, what's making their communities work, what's stopping their communities from working. Uh, there's some pretty consistent themes, you know, that the state government wouldn't be able to run a chook raffle. Um, it, it's really distressing to see a state that has got so many resources, is so fantastic, and yet been completely tied up in bureaucracy and red tape and ridiculous rules. But um, but what I've really been out and about about is is the referendum and the voice. Yeah. And, you know, we the government, the government of the day, doesn't matter which colour it is, has one job, and it's to uh, unite the country, to take the country forward, and to do the administration of, you know, services, of uh, policy. And in this case, the AEC, the Australian Electoral Commission, it's been their job. They've known the referendum's been coming for, you know, since the election day last year. And they are still haven't got people organised, uh, accredited to run the election in remote parts of the state. I've talked to you before about them turning up and nobody knowing they were there to go and vote. But really, I've, I have been really distressed about this to discover that they are so unprepared yeah. that there's been nobody in the Gulf regions and the Southern Cape authorised to take delivery of voting papers. How many so, people are we talking? Like these are remote communities that really want to have a voice, and this is what. It, it, and if, if I'm honest with you, they're the there are a lot of the reason that you know it's a three point eight percent of. 3.8% of the Australian community is Indigenous and the population. Yeah. Now, if you want to peel that back even more for the remote communities, this is the reason that the voice is happening so we can change the fortunes, if you're led to believe this is what the government is yeah. saying, of that. That's so right. why wouldn't we not give those people Why would they the not be yeah. top of the pops? Why would they not be the first ones that you would ensure had people uh, accredited to run the election and ready to go with the with the voting papers. So, you know, it's just another demonstration of why any organisation run out of Canberra 
is is doomed to failure because they don't understand the distances, they don't understand the people, they don't understand the challenges. So Doomadgee is a community of uh, about 2,000 people, about 600 registered voters. Uh, and, you know, that's a pretty big community in a remote area. But there are communities like that right across. And, you know, the fact that I will check in again today, but I think it would be very unlikely that the um, charter flights would be able to get back to all these places. Mornington Island got their papers, so that's good. That's one community. But, you know, this is this is why, uh, and to quote Jacinta Nampajinka-Price, we do not need more voices. We just need ears because these communities know what they need to do. They're trying to make changes. Uh, and yet it is state and federal governments that's in the way. The Department of Housing is gone back to delivering an old style of housing that doesn't suit the communities. You know, this is, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to deliver the right services to make sure there are kids going to school, there are kids involved in sport, that they are uh, able to develop their own towns and, and uh, outstations and, you know, live a great life that's the same as every other Australian hopes and dreams for. And, and so, you know, to see the division as you travel around the state, uh, to see the nastiness uh, on some of the polls yeah. um, is, is really distressing because what Australians are in large part saying to me in this part of the country, the place where we do have a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, is that they want to be one. They want to develop Australia together. They want to live together. They don't want to be divided uh, on on uh, what your ancestry is. Yeah. And, you know, so that's what I'm fighting hard for and, and going around booths and making sure that, you know, things are running smoothly, uh, Australians are getting to have a say. But as I said, I'm, I'm really worried. If you think that communities like Doomadgee and others in the Cape and the Gulf are not getting voting papers, well, <laughs> that's the problem. The, the problem is not that there's... We, we need a constitutionally enshrined voice. The problem is is that Canberra couldn't organise a chook raffle. They can't even organise voting papers to be there in a timely manner for these communities. Can I ask you, and, and I mean this in, in, in real, real concern, tomorrow when, and we'll know by tomorrow night how this plays out, the, the, you know, we'll know tomorrow night what... The outcome is of the referendum, but uh, if you listen to the polls, it, it looks like the no vote will win, and you know no one really knows. But that that could set us back because the divide. It, it, it's a really difficult situation, Senator. I have many, many dear and close friends who have voted yes, and I have many, many dear and close friends that have voted no, and. The people who have voted no, some are left-leaning traditionally, Labor voters of traditional, and some who have voted yes are normally Liberal voters and, you know, LNP members. The problem is it's divided our nation so much that the yes voters are seen as heroic and even talking to my mother this morning who lives in Sydney on the harbour and she said, I feel like I'm being ostracised because I chose to vote no and I'm feeling like I'm, I'm a racist, I'm, I'm being treated like that. 
Now, that's my drama with this whole thing. This could have been handled so much better, but if you want to look, and Alexander Downer wrote an amazing piece in the paper yesterday about how race, religion never, ever wins in a country. It never unites a country. And unfortunately, for some unknown reason, we've gone down this road. And my concern is tomorrow night, regardless of the result, you've polarised half the nation. And that is the concern. And I don't know the way forward from there. Well, Ben, you're right. You're right. We all know that because these are the conversations we're having in our own groups, our own families and our own friends. And you're right. You know, the Prime Minister had a real choice about how he was going to move forward with this referendum and uh, he chose to, to go hard or go home. And, you know, it's been to Australia's detriment. But I'm an optimist, Ben, and, and do you know what I think has come out of this? Is that Australia is united in saying we do want a better way for all this money to be spent in Indigenous communities. Sure. We do want a better way to close the yep. gap. We do want this to be more effective. We want to have a look at why is native title not working and why are the land councils uh, not working? We want to look at all this properly because we're sick of this. We want better outcomes. And I think the way, you know, the, the feedback I'm getting on polling booths is Australians are saying, this is the election I wanted to vote in. This is the one where I wanted to have a say. And I think that is terrific to see Australians knowing that they have a voice, they can use it democratically. And then I think that we're going to see a great deal of interest in how do we do this better? And, uh, do, you and honestly I know feel, do you honestly feel, mm-hmm. and I mean this, that, that the government will accept the result regardless of the outcome? Because the mail I was getting earlier in the week out of Canberra was that if it is a no vote, well, then they shift the goalposts and they go again and they'll try and run stuff through and make change without the support because they have the numbers in the Senate. Well, that's a very dangerous strategy to have Australians speak and not, you know, listen. not yeah. listen to that. That, yeah. that, you know, will, that. That would be a very, very brave strategy because there will be an election federally, uh, you know, within the next 18 months. And I think Australians would have a very clear view on what they thought about a government who didn't listen to them. Uh, I think that would be a stupid thing to do because what Australians have said is we don't want a constitutionally enshrined voice. We don't want to be divided in this way. We don't like the way you've gone about it. And then what are you going to do about it? What is your positive strategy? Not to spend millions of dollars on a referendum, not to put in more bureaucrats, but to make sure that on the ground, uh, particularly in remote communities, there are more kids going to school, there's less drugs, there's less juvenile crime, there's less domestic violence, there's more opportunity for people to be on country, developing their culture, uh, and and uh, yeah. living a productive, positive life. That's what the elders are saying to me. That's what the young people are saying to me. How do they be uh, are able to to be a part of this great country that we've got? Have the right education, be able to open a business in in Dumaji or whatever that might look like. And if the government doesn't listen to that, then they truly have failed Australia. 
because they have had a consistent message. Senator Susan McDonald with us this morning. We're going to take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Senator Susan McDonald joining us this morning. Senator, the net bans. Um, I mean, this is something, (laughs) this is a a, a huge issue. And what we're seeing is, we're seeing government at the moment making decisions and they're making decisions without any consultation based on some um, belief or ideology that they are getting or from a scientist. But the net bans are the ones that I'm really concerned about. Well, you're right to be, Ben, because there is no science that I can discover that the Queensland seafood uh, and fisheries this is horrific. can discover. Horrific. Yeah, this is horrific, absolutely. And and the worst part is, is that at the same time as we're talking about a voice and doing more for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, this is an industry that engages and employs Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the Cape, in the Gulf. It's an industry that they could develop. Uh, you know, this is for, for so many reasons. Uh, it drives up the cost of, of cost of living. Australians will have less access to wild-caught uh, fish. When you go for seafood on Friday night, it will have to be fish bought from overseas uh, or, or other fisheries, but it certainly won't be the fish that you enjoy right now because commercial fishing would be closed down. It, there, there is no science based on this. This is an industry that has worked productively uh, for many years and uh, even recreational fishermen that I'm talking to are saying this is wrong. There has to be a better way that we can enjoy recreational fishing and commercial fishing. Because remember that 80% of the fish eaten in Queensland is caught by commercial fishing. Yeah. So I'm not a fisherman. I like going fishing. I can't bring home a fish to save myself. If I want fish in my diet, I'm relying on, on somebody else yeah. going out to do that's it. Exactly, exactly right. Yeah, exactly and, right. And so that's what we have to remember is that there will be less Queensland caught fish it will be more expensive. There is no science to support this. This this task force that was established, the head of it is an ex-WWF person. The rest were department deputy secretaries from a different Queensland state government department. And How do they get away with this, either. Senator? How do they get away with doing this and what it will do to the industry? Because if they do it to this, they're going to do it to everything else. Well, they already are, Ben. They already are with uh, with um, reef regulations, with vegetation management, with uh, fertiliser restrictions, with transport industry, trucking restrictions. They are doing it to every industry. And as Queenslanders, we have become we have become so used to Labor's ineptitude and the shutdown of industries, the closures of, of rural community services, the cost of living. Labor has just introduced a 5.2% subsidy for freight to go into the Cape. Now, how does that work if a bag of flour that's $15 in Brisbane and has another $17 on top of it for freight, what's 5.2% going to do? Absolutely nothing. But what's the government doing about uh, subsidising bigger costs? You know, there is... They are so... Hopeless, they're so ideologically driven, and Queenslanders have got to start standing up and saying, "Enough, enough! We're not going to have this government again because they're not operating in our best interest." And I'm really worried because in regional communities, 
people are not being able to afford to eat healthy food. They can only shop in the centre of the supermarket aisles, the rubbish, the processed food, because the cost of transport is so high. The Queensland Government has ensured that there are no local abattoirs anymore uh, so that you can't go and buy locally killed you know, um, meat, or there's very few. Um, there's almost no uh, dairy farmers left in the north. You know, every yeah. single thing that's happening yeah. is driving up the cost of food. You know, this is something that, as a society, food security, nutritious food, uh, is, you know, that should be bread and butter. We should be much more focused on how Australians are affording to eat properly uh, and healthily. And, you know, this is a government that's driving that away in every, at every opportunity. And the net bans are the latest example, the latest example of how you know, we're being sold a pup because we should be able to enjoy Queensland caught fish. We have teeming uh, seas. There is no science, no studies that show that these uh, species, barramundi, uh, mackerel and salmon are under threat. And yet they want to shut down net fishing because it suits their agenda with UNESCO and their uh, agenda with the Great Barrier Reef. Not yeah. in Queensland's interest, Ben. Yeah. We should get mad. Oh, we, and look, and, and, it, and it is happening and it is continually, continually coming up and it, it is a huge thing um, that continues to happen. Um, I... I I can't get over that they've allowed this to go on. I can't get over that they're doing this. Senator, we appreciate everything. We, we will talk to you next week to recap. We might even talk to you earlier in the week after we know a bit more about this referendum and moving forward. But I just want to thank you so much for giving me some time on this Friday morning. I know you're in Mariba and really busy, so I appreciate your time. No, always look forward to talking to you. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. Senator Susan McDonald on this Friday morning. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Uh, day two of the Condamine Bell Camp Draft is underway. Day one successful yesterday. Spencer Morgan from part of the committee of the Condamine Camp Draft joins us after with some of the results of round one of the Open, which took place yesterday morning beginning at 5.30. Spen, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. I know how busy you are, so I appreciate you giving me some time. Uh, gets me out of the backyard. Dobbo, very happy. <laughs> uh, talk to you about it straight up. How was... Yesterday, I mean, day one of the Condamine Bell, so obviously a lot going on at the moment. How did it all go yesterday? Mate, it was, it was a fantastic day of draft, to be honest. We had, uh, yeah, just, we had Kelly Bond, she's judge of the round one of, of the Open, and yeah, she's got a pile up the top that are pretty hard to split, but yeah, we had incredible amount of full rounds, really, and um yeah, the drafting was just fantastic. The weather was beautiful. If you weren't looking for rain, which we all are, but it was a it was a great day for camp drafting. Yeah. So, mate, uh, after the first round of the Open, um, you know, you, you you're still competing, and then you've obviously got day two is continuing of the first round of the Open. Then you've got the second round, and then the ladies as well. So, let's talk through today and how it went. Who, who was leading after, as we speak to you this morning? Mate, Will Durkin's got the, he's got the goal at the moment, um, riding uh, a horse owned by Rick Young. He's got a score of 91. He was the only 91 yesterday. And then I think we had 20-something on 90. So, but yeah, Will's, Will's leading it with, with Rick Young's. Then uh, Mark Butsworth got one of Johnny Farnham's horses in second, or on a 90. Yeah. And the usual suspects, really. 
Dobbo, we've got Steve Comiskey, Pete Comiskey, Will Durkin with another one. Vicky and Michael Hiscock from down the south. Barry Johnson from up uh, up in the north. Rob Leach. Ben McNaughton, McNaughton from down there, Sconeway. Johnny Mulcai from Roma. Joe Payne from Mundubra. You know, and Bryony Puticone, she's up there with on a 90 riding one of Pete's horses as well. So yeah, that's look. sort of the top 10. But, yeah, there's there's another 10 or so on the 90. And, yeah, they're going to be... Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to split, I would think. A lot of... Uh, there is a lot of... A lot of big names in there as well, isn't there? Like, obviously, uh, taking place. So what happens, Ben? Talk to us about the program. So you go from round one and then round two, everybody's guaranteed a second round. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. So we'll finish up with the 600. We're just not far from it uh, now, to be honest, um, in the first round. And then we will just drag the arena and rip the camp and water it and do whatever we do and, and give – give Al our long-serving secretary time to get a uh, draw out for the second round. Yep. And we'll move straight on the second round of the Open and, and that'll go through till about 5.30 tonight. So we had no, um, yep. And then you go into the ladies. Yeah, and then we'll, we'll wait till it gets dark tonight and the lights kick in and we'll go straight on to the ladies. So, yeah, we'll have 125 ladies riders and, um, and then they'll be first up in the final on Saturday night. It's a huge, huge day. Um, obviously, the ladies' final takes place tomorrow night uh, with the continuation of the second round of the Open Draft and then the Open final tomorrow night under lights as well. And Sunday uh, will be round one of the novice and the novice final and then that will be the conclusion of the Condamine Bell at this moment. Um, only one, Will Durkin leading with a 91 so far after <laughs> round one. And the big thing is that you pay a lot. You, you, you're paying all the way down, aren't you? There's a lot of round money that goes around this, and it's also a huge guaranteed $75,000 to the winner of the Condomine Open, the Bell, this year. Well, that's right. And we, yeah, so we try and pay. We pay down to 40. You know, we'll, um, try and give uh, anyone that is gets a run in the final at least, but the top 40 will, will get their money back to their noms. You know, so it's a, we, we know that they're expensive noms, but they're playing for a fair bit of money. And uh, so if we can... We can spread that down the tree as far as we can, plus give a, a high prize up the top. It sort of makes makes everyone a bit happier, I think, and gives everyone a bit of a chance at, at uh, getting some money in the end of the day. So, and um, but yeah, four big days, no doubt about it. Dollar. We got we've got uh, Rusty Jorgensen from GDL. He's he's been on the mic all day yesterday, and today we've got Mick, who's Mick Brown, the Golden Consul. He's bloody wow. he's yeah. back and and. Um, yeah, we're, it's all going very smoothly at this stage. It's, uh, yeah, the course is holding up. The cattle are running. So far, they've been running very well. A lot of outside, I think six, nearly 70% outside scores, you know. Wow, so that's huge. It's, uh, it's been a pretty good pretty good uh, showing and drafting. And, and Kelly Bond's keeping them running. Jeez, we got through 4A yesterday. That's huge. Pretty that easily. And, yeah, yep. Yeah. I appreciate you giving me some time. I know how busy you are. Uh, we'll keep you updated over the course. We might even talk to you on Monday morning after it's all done and won. Appreciate your time, Spencer Morgan, this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Good on you, Dolo. See you, mate. See you later. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Peyton Fitzsimons joins us this morning from Ray White Rural. Fitz, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. 
Uh, lots going on, mate, but the property market, regardless of the fact that this um, cattle market is so tough, is showing some resilience as such. There's some still very good property sales taking place. Mate, they're dead cities. Um, I know all your listeners are probably going, oh, here we go, these two fellas are going to bang on about the same old thing over and over again, but it's um, it's proof in the pudding, mate. The good properties then that are being professionally marketed and taken to the market, there is good interest in those properties. The big difference that uh, a lot of people are finding and a lot of our businesses right across the country are finding is the level of inquiry volume-wise isn't there like it was in COVID. But the quality of the the quality of the buyers that are coming to market now, like they're ready to transact, they're ready to buy. Uh, you know, the, the the quality of the buyer that's in the marketplace at the moment is very good. Yeah, and that and that says that says a fair bit about where this job will be. There is a basis to it. I know at the moment this cattle job is of concern. There's no two ways to look at it any other way than that. But there is some also some upside that if it does rain, I don't know I don't know whether or not we are of the same ilk um, as where we were in 74, that there is a depression. I think it will bounce back and respond quickly. Look, yeah, well said, Ben. There was a, we had a very good sale result uh, down at Gundawindi a fortnight ago with Strangford, which was a farming aggregation there at Cropper Creek. That made nearly a district record. It was a 1,900-acre property that sold for $10.3 million under the hammer. Yep. Um, you know, that, those kind of figures and, and a, property of that, a property of that stature, you know, that just shows you that the money, the money is there. Uh, there is plenty of competition there for the good parcels of country right across Australia. And, yes, we are in a little bit of a lull, a lull at the moment with some commodity prices. Grain prices are extremely healthy. But yeah, like their sheep and lamb, our cattle prices, there's no need for you and I to bang on about that. We know what they are. But my belief is the dead cat has bounced. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna, you've already seen that in the south. Your, uh, your, your, your fresh season suckers, your mutton and your old season lambs, they've all jumped anywhere from uh, from 20 to $25 a head the last two weeks. And cattle and cattle in places, they followed suit as well. So yeah, it's tough. We, we, all, we all understand that. But, you know, the, the property side of it, you see that the transactions are taking place. There is confidence moving forward. So, can I ask you around? Um, and I mean this around the 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 livestock industry. When do we see? Is it when do we see prices? I don't think we ever get back to where they were at the peak, but somewhere between where it is now and and where it was is is a happy medium. Is that? 12 months away? Is that two years away, in your opinion? Uh, I think being off the back of a season, I know it's easy to sit on the other end of the phone and, and talk season. And, you know, if the season doesn't eventuate, well, then, you know, my prediction's safe. But I think off the back of a season, you're going to see some uh, accounts that all commodity prices are fairly sharp. Will it get back to the levels that we saw two years ago? No, it won't. Not in the short term. Uh, I think. Uh, my prediction and forecast is around Easter next year off the back of the season, as I keep mentioning. Off the back of a season around Easter next year, there's going to be a shortage of fat cattle. And I think your feed or, your feed or weight cattle and those heavy cattle, there will be a genuine shortage of those uh, right across the eastern states of Australia. Uh, but I think move, like moving forward, this potential of the cattle job will, will, move, will move sharply in a positive direction and the sheep and lamb job. Yeah, 
and that's the thing that everybody needs to know moving forward. Property-wise, everything bodes well. Um, we're seeing some sales um, as we wind down towards the year. There is a lot of dry places, but there is some crop in, and that rain that, that occurred last week in the southern parts of New South Wales and Victoria will bode well, but we do need to see some rain generated um, and, some, and some activity around the border um, and in the southwest of, of Queensland because it is very, very dry at the moment. Yeah, look, mate, it's a, it's a, it certainly is. But we, you know, r- regardless of the season we have at hand, do we need rain today? Do we read, did we need rain yesterday? My word, we did. But it just doesn't rain normally in August and September. Like we're only into the second week in October. Traditionally, seasonally, it doesn't rain this time of year. So the forecasters can bang on about their El Ninos, and, but it's pretty easy to forecast one of those when you're coming into the two driest months of the year. Yeah, well said. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. Thanks so much for being with us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, great man. Good on you, Peyton Fitzsimons. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 13th of October, Friday morning across Rural Queensland Today. It's my great pleasure with Women in Ag Day on this Sunday, the 15th of October, to welcome to our show for the first time the General Manager of Elders, Queensland and Northern Territory. I got that right finally. Uh, she is a girl I've known for a very long time and she is a gunslinger in the world of agriculture. Her name is Lisa Hewitt and she joins me this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Lisa Hewitt, it's been a long time coming this one, so I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Ben. Good morning. How are you? Well, firstly, congratulations. Um I, I, we all know very well the Hewitt family and, and, and your breeding and where you've come from, but you were high up with ANZ as one of the agribusiness executives in Queensland and then to take on the General Manager of Elders Queensland and the Northern Territory. You must be terribly proud, but firstly, congratulations. What a huge role to take on and, and one that you've been working to for your whole business career. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very excited to be doing the job that I'm doing now. I, I certainly did really enjoy my time at ANZ, and uh, it was a nice opportunity. I always say to to sort of come home, uh, coming home to elders. So, I grew up in what I call an elders family. We had a lot of pink shirts around us, certainly when we were children, and uh, yeah, it it just feels like coming home, and it's nice. So, mate, tell me. The role, I mean, as General Manager of Elders, you've got a lot of staff that, you know, are under your watch and and you've got some key people and stakeholders in there. It it, it was a big move and a gutsy one. Firstly, I'm going to ask why. Um, A lot of people have asked me this question, actually. Um, And it sounds really silly, but I just always come back to I've, I've just been exceptionally lucky in life. So... Um, things just seem, I, I don't know, I, ha, I just have this mindset that things, things seem to happen um, in my career when they're meant to. And, and I guess um, I felt like probably, uh, uh, you know, we'd done a lot of great work at where I was. We've had, we had a lot of great people, a lot of great customers. I felt really fulfilled and, and this opportunity came up and I thought, well, uh, you sort of only get those opportunities once once in your lifetime and it was lucky, it was perfect timing and and I thought I'd give it a go. I, I wouldn't say by any means that I was overly confident. Uh, you know, it is it is a big job and there's been a number of people remind me um, of that. But uh, I, I think anything, anything, any business is the same, really. It's all about your people. I, I firmly believe it's all about your people. 
and it's all about your customers. So uh, we're just we're just going to do that at Elders. The the market at the moment, and it's no secret, it, it is diabolical. Um, and there's a number of factors around why that is happening at the moment, mainly because of season. Um, obviously, the abattoirs are playing a role. Um, I don't say there's an oversupply because I don't believe the numbers are built back up. But with a business like Elders that is is driven by the you know consumers, you need your clients to obviously operate for Elders to make money in the livestock sector. There's other factors. How difficult is it at the moment after record years to navigate through this um, dip in the cycle at the moment? Oh, it, that's a very good question, Ben. It, it is an interesting cycle at the moment where we are. I, I want to say that I am absolutely positive um, on the cattle market in the uh, medium term, absolutely. I think we've we've got some stuff to go through over the next couple of months, but I'm exceptionally positive about it um, into 2024. I think for our customers, this is actually the time that they need the elders' expertise the most. This is, I mean, we always uh, say that anyone could have sold cattle over the last couple of years, um, but in the next 12 to 18 months, that's when they're going to need us the most. So we're spending a lot of time at the moment really talking about how we support our customers, what skills we give our people to ensure that they're supporting their customers uh, the best that they can and finding the options, um, you know, the best options. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, with your expertise in agribusiness with ANZ, and I say this, and, and being born and bred in the industry, y- y- your positivity into 2024 comes with some facts as well. It's not just an educated guess. You've looked at it. You you talk to people. Your family is heavily involved in the export in the export world as well. They they understand it, and you've got a, a deep knowledge of it. So, yes, there is some short term pain and. I'm fascinated, Lisa, about this, and and I've known you my whole my whole working life. I've known you, um, but I'm fascinated about how you now go to that next level and how you got to this place. I mean, traditionally, growing up in a family like that, you were the only daughter. You had three brothers, um, and you know it was it was laid out. You could have had a job working in the properties, but you went outside the square. I'm fascinated how you decided to take your your working career away from just on a, on the back of a horse every day and and utilise it to the place where you've been in agribusiness and and now as the general manager of elders in Queensland and New South Wales in in the Northern Territory, I'm just fascinated by the mindset. Oh, thank you, Ben. That's very kind. I think um, no, I would be absolutely lying if I said I had a grand plan about my career or where I wanted to go to. Um, I think it was, it's just a bit like anything in life. It's step by step. Um, uh, the, uh, the the stuff for me really, you know, is there's a lot of hard work involved. Sure. Um, I, I think you know every day if you want to if you want to achieve stuff, it's it's every day you got to get up and you got to get it done. Um, but also, I, when I talk about luck, I've been exceptionally lucky to have in my career some really you know standout. People who've supported me, I can I can name them. I can every boss um, that I've walked into, um, has, for some reason, ha, has seen something in me or enjoyed my company, and they've given me opportunity. And um, I've and then when that opportunity's been given to me, I've done my very best to, to take it um, and to repay them for it. So that's what I you know I always say. We talk about in the context of Rural Women's Day, 
we talk about uh, we've got this a narrative at the moment where it's women need support. And I actually don't really like that narrative because I don't need your support. I'm not emotionally unstable, right? Like I'm actually a, a functioning person. I need the opportunity. Um, and so my career, Great yes, point. a lot of hard work, um, a little bit of a different mindset, not wanting to be on a horse every day, but very thankful that I've had those key people at key times to give me those opportunities. And the elders' role is exactly that. That's, uh, that's people um, saying that they should give me the opportunity, people who I've worked with, people who I knew in the network, um, saying go and talk to Lisa she would happily take that opportunity. I think she'd be good at it. So it's certainly about your networks. It's about those who support you. Um, but, but I guess how I probably started outside of the family business is that I just wanted, I, I, you know, it's a really simple thing. We, we were a big business. We were sitting around the table with a lot of people um, and I just didn't feel like I had the education to contribute to that. Um, and so I took myself off to uni and, and it just sort of flowed on from there and I never really came home. And when we talk about the elders' role, um, that's why it is feeling like coming home for me. I never intended to be away this long, but I'm back. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I will say this now, uh, and I know your family well, you have a very strong mum and, you know, she, uh, Linda made it very clear, like, you, you know, the pathway, like she was a success in her own right as well and I think that, was a great benchmark for you to learn off as well, um, and and I and I genuinely and and Cole was an absolute legend as well, like in the industry still is. So I think you know passed on to all the Hewitts. You guys have been unbelievable. Elders going really? forward, what what what's the what's the stamp that Lisa Hewitt wants to put on elders in Queensland and the Northern yeah. Territory? I'm, I mean, you're not going to come in and blow things up and change things. It's just not the way you operate, but. What's the short-term goal for Lisa Hewitt and the network at the moment at Elders? Uh, I, I'm going to have to be careful what I say, Dubbo. I feel like you're trying to get trade secrets out no, of me. No, 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 mate. Uh, I'm just, no, a, I'm just, just a broadcaster now, mate. Gone of those days. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the short term for me is really I just come back to our people and customers. I want our people um, to be really skilled. I want them um, to understand what's going on around them. I want them to know our business. And I want them to come to work and be really happy and deliver for our customers. I always talk about under-promising and over-delivering, and I really want our team to be able to do that for our customers. There's always a customer at the end of the value chain, um, and and if we can give our people, um, I guess, uh, the skill and the happiness to deliver, that's going to work out for our customers, and that's where we really need to be, particularly um, in the in the commodity market where it is now. Oh, mate, look, congratulations. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, Happy Women in Agriculture Day on Sunday. Um, not that, and I love what you say, but it's a real honour. And we will talk to you again, obviously on rural Queensland today. But thank you so much for giving me some time this morning on this Friday morning. I know how busy you are. Thanks, Dobbo. Have a great day. Good on you, Lisa Hewitt. We'll take a break. Come back. This is rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin on Friday morning, the 13th of October. Well, that's it from us here this morning on this Friday morning, the 13th of October. Have a great day and an even better weekend. Uh, the best of is on tomorrow. Bill McDonald joins you next, and we'll be back Monday morning from 9am on Rural Queensland today. Have a great weekend, and remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from everybody here at Rural Queensland today, stay safe on the roads. Bye for now.